All right, let's um, open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. We're in the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to read uh, just the first eight verses as we see Jesus' interaction with a conservative group of Jews known as the Pharisees. Now, really, the whole section that we should be reading is verses 1 through 14, but for our purposes, so we can focus our attention um, on the theme at hand, we're going to be focusing just on the first eight verses as we pick up this morning on our uh, biweekly series on spiritual formation. We, for those of you who are visiting, we began the series way back in October. I think we maybe have a, maybe two or three sermons uh, after this sermon. And we are, we've been looking at various means or various tools that God has given us to not only lead us to Christ, but to grow us in Christ. Every once in a while in the Bible, you hear about the need to become imitators of Jesus. Well, we really don't know how to do that, and that really doesn't materialize in our lives until we take hold of the tools that God has given us for that, and we've looked at a number of tools so far. One tool that we have not considered yet is the tool or the means of what we call Sabbath. Sabbath. Now, a lot of us grew up with that term, but what do we really mean by the word Sabbath? How is it actually practiced among us? And it's very interesting. One other thing, and then we're going to read, and that is when you examine various evangelical Christian writers from a variety of different backgrounds, almost invariably they talk about the importance of carving out one day in seven just to give it a break, to give it a rest, and to focus our thoughts on God but also use as an opportunity for our own spiritual growth. We're going to consider that this morning. So Matthew chapter 12, if you will join with me. At that time, Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck ears of corn and eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, that is Jesus, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of, and there's that word again, Sabbath, Sabbath. What do we mean by Sabbath? Like I said, a number of us grew up with that word Sabbath. Many times in our circles, the Lord's Day or Sunday as we know this day is interchangeably Used with Sabbath. <clears throat> but what is the Sabbath? Um, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Shabbat. Which literally means cessation. And that's the noun version of the verb to cease. Now maybe kids, you don't know what the word cease means, but I bet you know the word stop. Just stop. Just put on the brakes. Give it a rest. Right? That's what the word cease means. So, 
When God created his people and God redeemed his people and brought them into the context of freedom, he says, what I want to do is I want to give you a Sabbath, a day where you can simply stop, put on the brakes, a day when you can focus on me, and a day when you can focus on yourselves. And that is focus especially on your own spiritual growth. Okay? Shabbat. Now, if you know anything about religion, you know that the Jews celebrate their Shabbat on Saturday, starting Friday evening, going all the way through Saturday evening. Saturday being the last day of the week. So when you look at the Old Testament, you see that the Jews are celebrating the Sabbath, and the fourth commandment is getting at this, of celebrating it on the last day of the week. That's when they take their day of rest. Now, Christians throughout their history, have also, in a sense, taken a Sabbath, but not on the last day of the week, but the first day of the week. And when I first came here, within, I think, the first month or something, Joy and I gathered with some of the younger people, and we had kind of Q&A time. And one of the questions they asked was this, why do we, why do we celebrate Sunday on Sundays and not on Saturdays? If they celebrate it in the Old Testament on Saturdays, and the reason for that is because, and it's not commanded in the New Testament, but what we see in the New Testament time is that the early church Christians started to gather on the first day of the week in order to commemorate and celebrate two historical important redemptive events. Number one, the raising of Jesus from the dead happened on the first day of the week, as well as the pouring forth of Christ's Spirit upon the church that empowered them for their mission task in the world. That's why Christians started to meet on the first day of the week, and that's why we're here, not on Saturday, but on Sunday, okay? Just to give us a little bit of an idea of the Sabbath. Now, before we look at this text, I want to read you something. When we first arrived, uh, Joy and I, um, in uh, Abbotsford, within a short time, Joy went looking around, scouring Abbotsford, what is this city all about? And she found a book for eight bucks, really cheap, called Being the Church in Abbotsford. And at one point, and this is a book that covers the culture and the history and the churches of Abbotsford, at one point, a writer writes this. He says, I moved to Abbotsford in 1962. The year I was born. Now think about this. Go back, put in your minds, try to use your imaginations. Go back to Abbotsford 60 years ago. I moved to Abbotsford in 1962 when the term Bible Belt might have been a little more accurate than appears today. In 1962, stores were all closed on Sunday. Pretty well, the only traffic on Sunday was to and from church, and church was twice a day. Half a dozen Matsqui police cars cruised the back roads and the mostly vacant stretch of South Fraser Way between Clearbrook and Abbotsford. There was only one public high school, no prison complex on King Road, no police tactical squad, no food bank, no gangs or addiction recovery houses, and no homeless people to speak of, and single moms usually went away to have their babies quietly. Kids all picked berries in the summer, guns were for hunting. Ah, that ain't Abbotsford today, at least not completely, right? A different time, a different time. My father's first teaching job before he went to teach at the college level was in Linden back in 1955. He said before he died that Abbotsford was just a little dot in the map. It was smaller than Linden back in the mid-50s. Well, how we have grown. And we have also 
become very different in many, many ways, including Sundays. Let me ask you this. How do you view this day? Do you enjoy this day? Do you, do, you, do you view this day as a different day? And if it is a different day, how do you observe it? How is it different to you? And also, let me ask you this. Is this day a day of, as Christ wants it to be, a day of refreshing? Or is it a bummer day? Is it a boring day? Listen to this carefully. Here's the theme of what we're looking at this morning. To the extent that you neglect this day, you neglect your bodies and souls. But to, the day, but to the extent that you prize this day, you love this day, and you delight in this day, to that extent, you grow your bodies and souls. You nourish them. And I hope to demonstrate that. Okay? Let's go and take a look at, the, look at this passage. Now, I want to I set the context, because the context, very briefly, is very, very important. If you know anything about the life and the ministry of Jesus, you know that Jesus would have periodic altercations. Uh, times of rubbing with a, a conservative religious group known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were this conservative group of Jews who viewed themselves as a reform movement within Judaism. And the reason why they felt the Jews needed to be reformed and brought back to God and brought back to Torah, the law of God, is because many of the Jews at that time had succumbed to what we call Greek Hellenistic culture. What that is, is just the pagan culture around them. So it would be like someone who grows up in the church, but starts dabbling with the things in the world, and before you know it, they're, they're becoming like the world. They begin to assimilate, and this concerned the Pharisees, and rightly so. So what they wanted to do is be, bring reform to the people of God, to bring them back to God, to bring them back to Torah, the law of God, and as a way of doing that, to bring them back to Shabbat. The Sabbath. And one way of bringing the people of God back to Sabbath was by developing a number of rules or laws that were designed to, to, to provide parameters or boundaries for the Sabbath, right? And they developed, according to commentators, they developed up to, this is, this is crazy, but 1,500 rules. How do you stay on top of those rules? I don't know. And those rules basically said, this should be done on Sabbath, and this should not be done on Sabbath, and this should not, and this should be, and so on. And so they brought it to the people of God, all to provide, as I said, boundaries for them. Kids, can you imagine that? 1,500 rules. What would happen if you got up one Sunday morning, and you went into the kitchen to grab a bowl of cereal, whatever you eat in the morning, and you go to the fridge to get the milk or whatever, and you go to that fridge, and all of a sudden, you see that Dad had posted, not 1,500, just 100 rules. And he's listed them, and he typed them all out, he printed them all out, and he put, them on, he put 50 on this side of the fridge door and 50 on that side of the fridge door, and it's like you look at that and like, what's that all about? Do you think Sundays would be a good day for you? I don't think so, right? 100 rules? Are you kidding me? Pharisees developed 1,500. So Jesus comes along, and what Jesus does is he brings us back to the original tent of the Sabbath, not first and foremost as a day of rule-keeping, but as a day of refreshment, as a day when God's people should not only worship, but do good for each other. 
and be merciful to others. Now, notice what that point, notice how the point is made here in Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath. Now, uh, cornfields, that may be a good translation, not sure. In the original uh, Greek, it's standing grain, so it's likely more barley or wheat. Think of grain with little, little heads of, of, of grain that you could put in your fingers. You make bread out of it and so on. You can eat it. At any rate, Jesus went through the cornfields or the standing grain on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. And his disciples were hungry, so they began to pluck ears of corn or the heads of grain and eat them. Now, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to Jesus, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Boy, they are sticklers. Now, you and I can look at this and say, you know, that's really over the top, right? All they were doing is picking heads of grain and, and eating them. But from the standpoint of the Pharisees, they were viewing this as work. This was threshing. This was harvesting, you see, on the Sabbath. When we think of harvesting here, we think of large combines. No, they reduce it all the way to picking heads of grain and eating them. Jesus said to them, I notice when these conservatives broach Jesus, Jesus doesn't respond by saying, no, 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 they're not breaking the law. He doesn't do that. Many times, if you follow the apologetic or defense of Jesus, he counters an assertion with a question. That's what he does here. Have you not read, Jesus says to the Pharisees, what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How David entered the house of God. Remember, he was being hounded by Saul's soldiers. This is a life and death matter. He's on the run, he's hungry. And so he's desperate. He enters the house of God and he ate the bread of the presence. That's the bread that would go into the tabernacle in the holy place, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. So the bread was put on the table of showbread, and then it was left there. At the end of the day, the priest could gather the bread, and only the priest could eat it. But David actually went into the tabernacle and he took some of the bread. Why? Because he was desperate, because he was hungry. And Jesus does not castigate David for that. He doesn't say, well, David was wrong. So sometimes what happens with conservatives is they make a law, they apply the law, and then there are no exceptions to the law. Jesus says, laws are good. We need laws and we need traditions. But sometimes there are exceptions, and we see an exception here with David. David was hungry. Or he says, have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Now take a conservative position. Say, you're never to work on Sunday. You're to rest on Sunday. What does that mean for me? You know? I mean, this is my, it's not the only where I know people joke about that. Oh, pastors only work on Sundays, right? It's not true. Okay, but this is everything, a lot of what I do, not everything, but a lot of what I do funnels down to this day because this is the most important day because you have called me to be a minister of the word and sacraments and to lead in worship. It's a big work day. Sometimes it's a stressful work day, but I do it gladly. Jesus in this passage and say, well, you know, Pastor Grotenheis and all these, these priests of the Old Testament, they're breaking the law of God. No. There are works that are sometimes necessary. There are works that are sometimes works of mercy. There are works what some, some commentators call works of piety, works of worship, which I'm doing, you see. 
Here's the point as we move on, because I want to say some other things. Look at verse 8, how Jesus ends this. He says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that he refers to himself as the Son of Man, and, and he says that I, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That means, kids, he says, I'm master of the Sabbath. I am I'm the boss of the Sabbath, and I am... Everything that the Sabbath points forward to is fulfilled in me. I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I give the proper application to the Sabbath. I give proper meaning to the Sabbath. And what I have come to do is return to Sabbath to its original design. And the original design of the Sabbath was not for the sake just of rule keeping. Do this, don't do that. So often when Christians debate the Sabbath, even if it's relevant today, or when they talk about Sundays, didn't many of us grow up with the idea of Sabbath was, you should be doing this, but you shouldn't be doing that. And don't do that, but you should be doing this. And when we do that, we, we, we find ourselves, although the discussion is beneficial to a point, we find ourselves falling into sometimes what we call the casuistry of the Pharisees. Jesus says... What I want is that this day not be a day first and foremost of rule-keeping, although observation discussions are necessary, but this day should ultimately be a day for good-doing, for refreshment. This day for all of us should be an oasis for body and soul. Kids, you know what an oasis is? An oasis? There was a... And I don't know if, if uh, Wilma is the one who puts the pictures up, because, because Wilma, if you are, you do a great job, and there was, you don't have to go to it now. But I don't know if you ever look at the announcements before the worship service, but there was a, there was a picture that she had of a little town that's surrounded by dunes of sand. I thought, that was perfect. Now, exchange in your mind that town for an oasis. An oasis, kids, is a body of water. So if you go into the desert, sometimes in certain deserts, like in Saudi Arabia, you do these dunes of sand, and you go over one dune and you go over another, and all you see, just all you see is sand. Well, imagine doing that for half a day, and then you start getting thirsty, and you're looking, oh, I need water, I need water, and you go over one other dune, and all of a sudden you look below, and you see a bunch of palm trees, and between the palm trees is this little body of water. You know how refreshing that is? How refreshing it looks? How refreshing it tastes? And man, you just dive in there and you take a swim. That water is life. That water is refreshing. And that's why Jesus has given us Sundays or the principle of the Sabbath so that we together may be delighted and be refreshed. But you got to self-consciously push that pause button to experience that. you got to self-consciously go to the water. you got to go to the oasis. Because if you don't, it does have an effect. I want to cite uh, a quote by a man named Dallas Willard. If you put that up, you got that? All right. He writes this. Dallas Willard often writes on uh, spiritual formation. He writes this. A Sabbath offers us the very necessary time to simply do nothing. You find that hard? To just do nothing? 
think for a lot of us, it reminds us that we don't have to do in order to be. It allows us to break the power of busyness and distraction, and in the end, helps us to not only find ourselves, but opens the way for God to find us in new ways. It allows the reality of God to stand in the midst of our lives and the wind of eternity to blow in our faces. Not for nothing does the psalmist stay, say, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Give it a break. Shh. Quiet down. Be still. It's in that stillness, not in the noise and distractions of life, but in the stillness that we begin to discover truly who God is. And how we are refreshed. And sometimes, you know, I think we think that we can kind of cheat on that, right? And, uh, yeah, you know, I cannot tell you how many times that, you know, Joy will say on a Monday, you know, put it away, put it away. My, my off day, my Sabbath day is today, because I get to worship with you, but it's especially on Mondays. Monday's my day off. There's always a little bit that I do on Monday. A couple hours, not a lot. I don't have much of an issue with that, but, but periodically, sometimes you can take the whole day because you've got to get this done. You've got to get this done. And I remember one writer on spiritual formation saying, we all think that we, we, we can't afford a total Sabbath because, because we've got to get this done and that done. He says, are we forgetting that while we rest, God's still working? Hello? He's, he's still working. God, God doesn't rest like we rest. So give it a break. Give it a break. In fact, when we do that, when we take the break, when we take the break, then we're only really doing what God, listen to this, hardwired us to do. He built us. <laughs> he built us to, to take a break. And when we don't, we pay the price. Now, if you guys, if you put on the, uh, the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, now I'm going to say something next that I think probably a number of you know. If you do, just view it as a refresher. And if you don't know this, you may find this rather interesting. We have two places where the Ten Commandments are seen in the Bible in terms, you know, the summary of the law of God. We got Exodus 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we read from Exodus 20 this morning. And both both those, um, uh, both the Ten Commandments, as seen in Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, talk about the Sabbath day, talk about the fourth commandment. But the reasons for observing the Sabbath day are different in Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. So take a look at Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Fourth commandment, it doesn't begin with thou shalt not or thou shall. It begins with the word remember. Why? Because we oftentimes forget this day. To view, view it as a, a benefit day for us. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Kids, holy means set apart. Special. Special. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. 
although Jesus provides opportunities for works of necessity, mercy, and piety. Now, notice the reason why we are to rest one day in seven. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the question is, why should we take one day in seven and rest? And God's saying, because I did. Six days of creative activity were followed by one day of rest. Now, you people who are made in my likeness, I want you to follow me in that. You work six days, you rest seventh. We need this day for physical rest. Try working ten days and resting one. Or working two weeks, resting one. You think your productivity level is going to go up? Uh Uh-uh. Chesty Puller, the well-known general during World War II of the United States Marine Corps, they were fighting, even in the midst of battle, he said, sometimes you get no, he was hardcore, but he said, sometimes you need to give the soldiers rest. They'll fight better. Give them the rest. Lord says that to us too, as our commander-in-chief. I rest one day in seven, you rest one day in seven. You need it for your bodies, but we also need it for our souls. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Very similar words, right? On it you shall not do any work. Now notice the reason it changes. You shall remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Interesting. The Lord says to his people, way back when, to the Israelites, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to rest one day in seven so that you may take time to remember what I did in delivering you from the land of Egypt. It was a land of oppression, a land of enslavement, a land of restlessness. But I want you to remember that I delivered you by my grace and by my power and brought you into the land of Canaan, the land of rest. So too, in this wilderness of life, this desert of life, the Lord says to us, the principle still holds. I want you to take one day in seven of rest so that you may remember, that's the operative word, so that you remember what I did for you in Jesus Christ. How through Jesus, I brought you out of the land of slavery, the land of sin. Sin brings oppression. Rebellion against God brings enslavement. It brings restlessness. There is no rest for the wicked, the Bible says. But when Jesus rescues us, he puts us into the context of rest. Rest from sin and the power of sin and the effects of sin. Praise God for that. So that when we gather together on Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, on Sundays, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. And we give him all the praise. And then Christ turns around and he says, as you do that, I form you into my image. I give you rest to your souls. The Lord's day, Sabbath day, for our physical and for our spiritual rest. It was the same with the Israelites. It's the same with you and me today. So, uh, so much more could be said. But I want, I'll leave you with this. Let's prize this day. Let's love this day. Kids, I know it, it, um, you know it can be a time where mom, dad, okay, let's go to worship. 
let's go, you know, and you get there, and like I said before, and I want to say it again, we want to include you in, we want you to grow with us, you know, spiritual growth on the Lord's Day is not just for mom and dad, or for the adult singles here, whatever, man, it's for you, we want you to love this day, we want you to love this day, okay, so let's guard it to that end, and Let's, let's, let's view this day not first and foremost as a day of rule-keeping, but as a day of delight and how Christ designed it for our refreshing. And then I just want to add this one final thing. If you're here this morning and you are grappling with just who this Jesus is that we hear from this pulpit every Sunday. Um, let me ask you this. Are you, and search your heart in this, are you concerned about your soul? Are you concerned about your soul? Jesus says, what is it if a man gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Because what is he going to give in exchange for his soul? Again, are you concerned about the state of your soul? If so, give yourself to the very one who gives you rest. Give yourself to Jesus. Give yourself to this day. And give yourself to this place. This place here. It's a good place. Not a perfect place, but it's a good place. And it's here in this place, amidst all the distractions of life, where God says to you, shh, be still and know that I am God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we draw near to you now on this day. Lord, thank you for this day. It's a day for us, a day of worship. It's a day of gathering. It's a day, as we're going to see in just a moment, of eating and drinking together. Indeed, it is a day of delight and also for refreshing. Oh, God. Oh, Father even in the midst of cries. This is a good day because, Lord, it's just not little children who sometimes cry. We expect that. But sometimes we cry as we work during the week and we face various pressures and difficulties. And then we get to come to this place, a place of peace and a place of interacting with one another and a place where we may be still and know that you are God. Thank you, O oh God, for this. Bless this day. Bless the meal that we're about to enjoy together. And then bless our second service too, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.